Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the weird things that Hollywood doesn't choose to do. You are so good at that, Robert. Yeah. You're really good at and that. And between the two of us, we have... How many? How close, many? Close how to many? 100 years yeah, of experience. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got we got a lot of experience in both the film industry and in academia, talking about film, doing film. And this week, we're going to be talking about what film, Ira? Ah, we're going to do, we're going to do, it's weird. I hear the papers <laughs> wrestling. What's it called? UHF. UHF. Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll be talking about that in our top five films uh, this week. Favorite cult movies. Favorite cult movies. Now, this is not cult movies like, you didn't do like some sort of. Like the craft or anything, did you? Oh, that's good. Yeah. If I thought of it, I would have put that in. Yeah. But actually, I was worried. Rosemary's about, Baby or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that kind of cult. Mm-hmm. And then there's occult. 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 Yeah. A cult movie. A but cult. I was also thinking about defining the word cult and how we meant it. Yeah. Does that mean a film has to play, you know, in theater at midnight and it's got to get that kind of an audience to be a cult? I definitely think yeah, that, that would be a cult That film. would be a cult, but need that necessarily be the case? It was interesting trying to find, because I do have one in my five that's going to be a question mark. I think you could make the argument that almost every movie is a cult film. Yes. And we'll get to that in our top if five. If it rediscovers its... We'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you start saying Star Wars is a cult film, I think you could actually make a pretty good argument for that. It does have a cult following. Yeah. But it's also like a massive cult following. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Hey, man, what's going on? What, what's going on? Yeah. What'd you do this week? Wah. Yeah. Bland. Great. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But Robert. What? It was your birthday. It was my birthday. Robert. Hey. It was your birthday. Happy birthday. And Uh-oh. producer Joey... Would uh, you come uh. here and suck on this? <laughs> Don't tell my I've wife been, to I've suck wait, on this. I've been waiting. I've it's, been waiting. And to besides, say, she's going to have to here, blow here, that. Pro- producer Joey. Uh oh. Okay. Um, you might want to tell her what she's uh, sucking on. Uh, tell the audience. I was pulling something out of yeah. his pants. All right, here we go. Okay. Wait. 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 Just a minute. Just a minute. Okay. Producer Joey. One more thing. All right. Oh. Oh. It's a little music box. Happy uh, birthday uh, yeah. right. to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Robert. <laughs> this is pathetic. You have to edit this thing <laughs> down. No, no, don't keep it. You, you don't need to put the hats to on. Oh, should we take the hat off? Yeah, oh, you can take the hats off. On. Okay, we got the hats and yeah. got something for you. You did? Yeah. Hey, that's not a puppy. <laughs> Thrown out of a window? Oh, uh, all right, Ira, you... It, this looks like some sort of disc. Yeah. So this looks like a movie. And the fact that we're recording a movie podcast means this is probably a film. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. <gasps> oh, wow. More. Ira, do you know this film? More? I know of it. You Why know don't you tell it? us about it? This is a. Um, this is my favorite film of all time. Now, I talk about... Th- did you help him out with this? What, do, what do you think? Oh, like, I so. came up with that on my own. Uh... This movie is a short film, and I'm going to make you watch it before we leave. Yeah. It's, a short, it's like five minutes long. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic film, and it's a, uh, it's, I'll, I'll show it to you, but it's, it's called More, and let me just read the back. The Academy Award-nominated short film tells the story of a lonely inventor whose colorless existence is brightened only by dreams of the carefree bliss of his youth. Yeah, and I'm not sure what, what year was it, 1998. Academy Award nominated. I know. How about more. that? It's a it's great funny. film. When producer Joey said a movie called More, 
I, I thought, well, there's like three movies called Moore. Oh. Is it this one? No. Is it? And then she told me the year, and of course, then I was able to get the exact Moore that you want. All right, hang on. What was it, producer? What are you doing? Okay. Yeah. I, you can find it pretty much anywhere if you're if you're looking hard enough. But uh, yeah, more. Check that out. Good. good Happy film. birthday, Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's a really nice gift. Cool. I didn't realize it. That's a a great collector's set. It's got a bunch of special features. Yeah. On yeah. Here. A lot of. Lot oh, there's two of discs. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know what I'm doing tonight. Happy birthday, Robert. Masturbating quietly in my sleep. To more. Yeah. And more. Yeah, you can watch, Joey. All right. Hey, man. Let's uh, let's dig in and talk about UHF. You wanna? Well, well I thought. Robert, or oh, you want to do week in review? Week in review, yeah. I guess trying, we are you do trying that to first. skip that segment? Let's do some week in review. Hey, I you know what? Some are old and some are new, Robert. And we now present the week in review. What'd you watch this All week? All right, I have three films I'd like to mention, but before I get to my three films, I want to say something to you. Mm-hmm. I took that dare last week, and sure enough, you got me for my birthday a few weeks ago. Hit what's it called hits and hit misses. Hits, hits and, and misses. Hits and misses. Yeah. Um, by uh, by Simon Rich. Is that yep, yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. And I read chapter the first one that called the baby. Yeah. I was laughing out loud. I was laughing out loud, and it's it's whimsical. It's it is playful. It's it's a fantasy. Give moment. us a breakdown. What happens? Oh in God, the story? it's so hard. He's a he's a wannabe writer, and his wife is pregnant, and this fetus inside his wife has this budding career as a successful writer and it gets more and more absurd yes and near the end the one point where i did laugh out loud it's when they said uh, uh scott rudin wanted to have a meeting yeah. with this fetus and it was just the perfect specific scott rudin of all the producers names out there it was it was playful it was whimsical and it was clever yeah yeah i think you're gonna really enjoy that book yeah. simon rich is such a great writer and the reason why i wanted to pick him pick that book out for you is He's a um, he's the modern day Woody Allen, in a lot of way. I mean, without the marrying of his stepdaughter, but <laughs> oh, that yeah. But he's he's that kind of irreverent uh, humor and the Jewish neuroses, and he's he's embodied a lot of that. I'm glad that you've read that chapter. There's some other ones that are coming up that I think you are going to I will, howl. You know what? I'll do one each week. Please do. How's that? Can't wait. I know. I love it. So All thank right. you. So. Yeah, also, was he like a staff writer on Conan? Was that I, I, I know he wrote for Saturday Conan. Night Live, mm, and so yeah. he, he probably wrote for Conan too. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Them. Okay, my films. You ready? What do you got? Three, and here we go. Point mm-hmm. number one: Hollywood Vice Squad. Now, this movie stars uh, besides Ronnie Cox. Believe, believe it or not, has Carrie Fisher. She's in this, and I was thinking, well, every people in the industry, have a corpse? they have to get <laughs> they have to get started somehow. I was assuming it was before Star Wars, but it actually was made in 1986, and it's it's a horrible, bad movie. Why? Watched. It was just it, the the dialogue was so stale and stilted, and it was just nonsensical and uh, kidnapping and baby it was it was poorly executed. The cinematography was lousy. Everything about it was bad. A Hollywood Vice Squad. I also watched a movie called The Babysitter. Now listen, there's like five movies on Amazon Prime called The Babysitter. The one I found was... <laughs> and I watched three of them. <laughs> and I've seen them all. 1969. This is a black and white film. He's a district attorney and he has sex with a babysitter and then we find out that he's being set up so that they can let this murderer go 1969, free. Ba- it shows him having sex with a babysitter? Yeah. Wow. It's all pretty right. graphic too. It's pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. This is a sexploitation film. Okay. So it held my interest. One more I saw in a theater with my buddy Fred. I saw Ma- fast, before you get it to yeah, what yeah. you saw with Fred. What's that movie? Uh, what's the movie with the guy whose daughter gets into porn and he has to like go find her? Oh, Taken. Well, actually, 
Yeah, no. that was against her will. Okay, where she? No, no, no. Yeah, that was. That was against. She gets into porn, and he has to go find her. This is like from the seventies or something, and hmm. um, and there's like that real famous scene where he has to watch the movie with his daughter. He's in some sort of like Tomcat porno theater, and he's like holding his head and just, and he doesn't want to have to look at it. It's it's part. It's actually a meme for a lot of people. Like they'll they'll cut from some bad awful like you know snakes on a plane and, and then, then they they'll cut back that, to right, him right, like right, right, right. just cringing as he's watching it in the movie theater but i himself. don't know but it appeals to me what's that Did you, producer Joe, can you try to find it she's on it yeah right. she's on it she's, she's on great so my third and final film for the week in review mm-hmm. i went to see in the theater and i saw the new mission impossible movie all right give us the lowdown right. and on it. well it's Watch Tom run, watch Tom jump, watch Tom in a car chase, watch him on a motorcycle, um, and watch him do a halo jump. Robert, do you know the term halo? I don't. Oh, I'm going to teach you a new word. This is an expression, it's what he did, where he jumped out of the plane in a free fall where there's very little oxygen, if any. Oh. So it stands for height, it was stand for high altitude. Um, Leap low, of faith? <laughs> Leap of that's very good. High altitude low it's not low oxygen, low oxygen low opening i think because you wait until the last minute to open it's something like that anyway it's a famous halo jump which is the first 20 minutes of the film and it was it was a lot of it was you know it's a sixth installment of this franchise I only realize. six it, it seems like it was Feels more. like 14 and i don't know i had mixed feelings about it i mean it delivered it did exactly what you thought it would do but then last night i started watching um the um the first live one? free or die hard, live free or die hard yeah. And that was more fun. Really? I just like that more. I like the character more with Bruce Willis. Somehow that appeals to me more than the Mission Impossible franchise. Well, you know, that's where a lot of people indicate that the Die Hard movies started going off the rails, the Live Free or Die Hard. It got nutty. It got insane. Yeah. Yeah, of course, with the helicopter and everything. But I liked it more than the latest Mission Impossible franchise. Hmm. Anyway, those were my three. What did you see this week? I actually, I watched a lot of television, but there's been so much that's been going on um, with just life that uh, oh. I haven't been able to watch very many films. I didn't, I didn't watch any other films other than uh, what we were supposed to watch for the podcast. Although, I do want to mention something, Ira. Speaking about life? Life. Good segue. Thanks, Speaking man. about life? Yeah, life got so busy. What do you have to say? Um, producer Joey's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you're pregnant. She's I don't know giving if you know him, that. I am? Yeah. Look. And, that explains it. And the real news, Ira, is it's mine. Mm. It's my baby. I beg to differ with you, Kimasabi. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, Congratulations to you Thanks, both. Thanks, bud. Yeah, and pretty soon we're going to be recording this podcast with a crying sound in the background. So you'll be listening to wow. cat sounds, gunshots, sirens, gunshots, gunshots sirens, uh, and babies. Yeah. Cool. It's a great, great back- background atmosphere for a podcast, don't you think? What if we're scheduled to do a podcast on the same evening that your wife is giving birth? Where will you go? Podcast. That's my boy. In the hospital. Ah, I taught him everything he knows. Cut to producer Joey's we, look of astonishment, mouth wide open. <laughs> we got to do a lot of baby films around then so we know what, <laughs> yeah. what, film, to, uh, what film to talk uh, yeah. about. We'll start with Look Who's Talking. We'll go into all yeah, of those. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's nice. So uh, we'll give you more details on that, but. Congratulations. You can call me Papa Cannon now. Wow. Well, we're all real happy for you guys. Thanks, bud. Yeah, so that's some of the stuff that I've been dealing with, and I haven't haven't had a chance to watch a whole lot of films this yeah, week. It sounds kind of excusey if you ask me. But I think we'll so. Give, we'll let you slide. I'll we'll work on you, it. We'll give you a pass. Thanks, man. Um, hey, let's talk about UHF. You want to? Let's do it. Now, Robert, talk us through it. 
UHF, uh, we picked UHF even though this film came out in 1989. We did pick it because it's a birthday uh, week, and as we've do, done on this show for a past couple years, anytime somebody's birthday rolls around, they get to pick the film, old or new, so we're brushing off some of the older films um, for your birthday recently. Yeah, we, we watched The Fugitive. The Fugitive, right. 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 So that's why we're watching UHF. UHF centers around George Newman, a ne'er-do-well who's a ne'er dreamer. Ne'er-do-well, I like that word. Yeah, he's a dreamer and never can uh, never can seem to hold down a job because he's always getting in trouble over uh, an active, overactive imagination. Kind of a Walter Mitty-esque. Right, as well. and always kind of having these different fantasies. And then uh, one day, his uh, his uncle wins a TV station in a, in a poker match and needs someone to manage it, so they hire George Newman. And he does a great job. Not at first. He, he struggles a little bit, but eventually he does this great job of managing the station. It becomes great. And then the local network affiliates get really, really angry, and they try to take over the station from him. That's about it, right? That's it. Yeah. Does it have a happy ending? Of course. Of course it does. Yeah. This is... Um, I, I don't know how much I would say... Oh, I'm jumping the gun here. I don't know, I'm not sure how anti this movie is. And I was thinking about that when I was recommending this for us to talk on the podcast, there are some anti elements, but the happy ending and um, you know, it's, it's kind of wraps up, but I'm anxious to talk. Yeah, about. We it. will get to that, but let me just jump on that for one sentence. The fact it's irreverent mm-hmm. makes it a little bit anti-wave. I, I can appreciate the that. Irreverent humor, the in your face poking fun of yes. is anti-wave, but that's it. I re- I recommended the film. I love the film. It's I know. pretty obvious. I'm curious what you think. I know. And Please I'm, tell me well, what I you think. I want to ask you first. This is your birthday movie. Mm-hmm. This is your birthday movie. Well, you could tell. Well, you get a pick. What? what you what? could tell I watched this movie when I was, you know, 10 years old, and I've loved it ever since. So that's what it is. And you rewatched it again recently for yeah. this podcast. Yeah. And I'm curious. I don't mean to throw the question that you're asking me onto you, but well, we'll get to that about... Why did you select this film as your birthday movie? I mean, I find that fascinating. I like the movie. I certainly like the movie. But I was curious about you and your strong reaction to it making a birthday film. Well, you know, when producer Joey and I first started dating, she had mentioned something. She mentioned films that you watch when you're sick, movies that you watch just to make you feel good. And I've seen this movie a lot. And it always makes me feel good. It always makes me laugh. It always makes me smile. I know which jokes are coming right around the corner, but it's always making it always makes me giggle. So I thought, why not? We've done the Road Warrior. We did that last year, yep. and let's let's try something different. Yeah, and you did. Yeah, and you did. So I was uh, surprised, but I do want to say I I certainly enjoy, I heard of this film, mm-hmm. and I've never seen it up until um, up until yesterday, and. Um, it reminded me of other films that were popular probably in the earlier mid-70s. Are you familiar with The Groove Tube? Yes. Are you yeah. familiar with Kentucky Fried Movie? Yep. Yeah, Amazon and Women on the Moon? Yeah. I know that's where you're going. You do know. You know very well. And But this had more of a story sense. Right. And that's what I like, that the satirical bits, which were most of them were quite funny and still work today, most of them, but they were organic. There mm-hmm. you go. And it wasn't just a string of stuff. Groove Tube, you know, made fun of the apes and Space Odyssey. And, uh, and the same thing with Kentucky Fried Movie. Uh, a good friend of mine, I mentioned before, Ian, he actually wrote and produced a film that got made called Coming Attractions. Hmm. And all it was was 90 minutes of coming attractions of films that aren't real and were never made. And it made fun of every genre. It made fun of... And it was an interesting That's premise. funny. Yeah. It's called Coming Attractions. Do you have it a copy got, of it? I, I do. I have a copy of it. And um, I was in it. 
but then I was edited out. Aww. Yeah. yeah. Movie was too long. <laughs> so he said. And it's probably because I sucked. Right. They, they only cut out like uh, 13 seconds, and it's all Ira's face. That's the only stuff that made <laughs> you know, Bill the editing Murray's floor. A, Bill, they got Bill Murray. Really? Yeah, he had a cameo in the movie. So again, I made fun of the B science fiction film, and it reminded me of that where it's a string of bits. However, like we just said, UHF had an, org- an actual story, and this is what I loved about the film, and the bits, the satirical bits, the parodies of, of, of other movies and TV shows were interspersed throughout, uh-huh. and I like that quality. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. Let me for- I think we should give some information on VHF and UHF, because I want to say that the movie did seem a little bit dated, mm-hmm. and the title is dated also. And that's been a problem for marketing the film, that they were talking about altering the title, because those expressions aren't known today by today's Yeah, no one knows audience. what a UHF uh, channel VHF, is. VHF, you know, VHF stood for very high frequency. Right, you know, ultra high frequency. And then ultra, UHF was ultra high frequency. And this is where we got certain wacky shows. I remember in the early 70s, I used to watch stuff that was weird stuff at one and two in the morning. It was just filling airtime. And one was like a commercial with for a woman's double chin. And they'd have a contraption with rubber bands. So you'd go like that with your... And it would... I thought, wow. I'm sorry, how would you work? go? I, but we have a listening Podcasters audience. They don't know what I'm doing right Could now. Could you make the noise again? Wally George <laughs> had a talk show. Do you remember Wally George? No. In fact, his Wally George's daughter was in Hand That Rocks the Cradle, the actress who was in that. Was that Rebecca Dormar? Okay. The morning? No, I think. So at any rate, he had a very conservative show. This is the stuff that they filled up at that time, and it went like Channel 28 into the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Well, I remember Go a ahead. lot of that in Tennessee. I mean, I grew up, I didn't grow up in Los Angeles, but they had some of that in Tennessee, and we even got some stuff from other, uh, we had cable as a kid, and we would even get some stations piped in from other places and you would see some of that popping up. Right, right. And it was weird. It it was weird stuff. They fill airtime and I made the statement to you a couple nights ago that, well, even public access doesn't exist today, but I was wrong. It does. And there are still public access channels out there. You know, when I was in college as well, we had, um, when I went to college, it was a very weird situation because usually when you go to the, when you go to a dorm, and you live in the dorms. You didn't live in the dorms when yes, you were Yes, I did. For when you're okay. Northridge. Mm-hmm. When you were there, did you have a television station that was dedicated like from the students? For- oh, yeah. In the, in the social room. In other words, it's just one TV set. and all- We did oh, not you- have our own TVs oh, in our own rooms. No, okay. we didn't. So no, we, we did. Didn't. We, you could get television in your dorm room when I was wow. in college. And there was a television station on campus that broadcast a channel that was all that college. So it was people who were future television managers and things like that would come in and make these little TV shows and put them up. So they were always desperate for content and pretty much anyone can go get their own TV show. And it, and people would actually sit there and watch it because it was so crazy and irreverent. That's right. And we should say the FCC made this ruling back then, decades ago, to allow the channel. Actually, I thought it was mandated. I thought it was legally had to be, but that's not the case. They gave channels, the the um, the networks, stations, the option to have this. Right. They want to be community-minded. You know, they want to be involved with the community. So they would do it as PR, as PR. But 80, 90% of it was crap, huh? Yes, but occasionally it would be, even some of the crap was interesting. Yeah. Because you just had people that were like, let's be weird. Let's just do something crazy. Yeah. I actually had an idea with Ian decades ago of a TV sitcom called Public Access. 
where you would see the behind the scenes stuff and there'd be one or two acts of people trying out to, to you don't even have to audition, you suddenly have your own show. It was an interesting premise for a sitcom called Public Access. Huh. Yeah, yeah. One of well, my, then this movie yeah. probably resonated with you. Yeah, it did. It mm-hmm. did. Good. So now that we gave the background of VHF and, UA, and Public Access, it's a, it's a dated title, it which again is a problem for the marketing. And the movie itself was a little bit dated. Some of the jokes did not work, but the bulk of it certainly did. I want to give a, a comment to Michael Richards. He, he, he was great. It's funny. He was, I've never seen it, you know, and you could see where that came from with the Kramer I the, stuff. The, the racial stuff right in the middle where he starts screaming the N-word, that was a little odd. I don't know why they the included that. the same movie I saw? I think you're talking about his uh, stand-up. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That oh, that. He's great. Yeah. Stanley Spadowski. Yeah. He yeah. was great. Yeah. He looked young. It looked like he had buck teeth. I think he was wearing some dentures. I think he was too. Yeah. It seemed like his teeth were not the way I know him from from Kramer. But with that, you could see the rubbery body language, and you could definitely see the makings of of Kramer there. I think he was a he was a significant part of why the movie worked. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you in a weird sort of way, pardon the pun with weird, but uh, Weird Al Yankovic plays a character that is both crazy imaginative, but is also kind of the everyman. And he has to be somewhat grounded. Anchored. Yes. I was just going to Robert, you're great. I like that. And that's more. a really interesting. Anchored. That's an interesting perspective because he's so far out there. If he's too far out there, then the other people around him that are weird won't seem as funny. Uh, and, and you need that. You need someone who can react and can be our our window into That's their right. world. That's right. Uh, Philo, the, the technician who uh, you know does all the, the science experiments and everything else. He's a very strange character. Yeah. And if George doesn't look at him going, what the fuck is going on? If he doesn't have that reaction, then I think we, we miss how crazy that is. It was Anthony Geary in General Hospital. Mm. You know, they did that sitcom mm-hmm. for a yeah. long time. That, that was him. But I saw, because while I was watching the movie, I was thinking, well, Weird Al could have played this part. That Mike, and I thought, no, no. We, our hero, the guy we root for, has to be more grounded, more anchored than that. He can do shtick, but not all over the place, not yeah. that extreme. Right, we have to. Re- Are you familiar with uh, um, Emo Phillips? Do you know? Yeah, I've seen him. Uh, you see, it's several Robert, times. I love yeah. that you know these names. I loved him. Well, I'm You're- a big Weird Al fan. Yeah. So first of all, I know him from the movie, but then also Weird Al just did a tour, and Emo Phillips opened for him. Is that right? Yeah. And then there was a theater, the Steve Allen Theater up in Hollywood. Yeah. And Emo used to perform there quite a bit, and, and I think they, I'm not sure if it's still there. I think they just closed down or something, but. Uh, I used to catch emo there occasionally. With that high resonance voice, it's the way he so would. Weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. So but he's funny. This, he's very funny. I liked a lot of the references to this, and there were even things that you and I have joked about previously about um, this. Uh, we don't need no stinking badges. Mm-hmm. You've heard me, and sure enough, that also is parodied in the film. And even Red Drum, Murder Backwards. I don't know how many of the people. Well, I certainly got that reference, and you got that reference from but I think, Shining. I think some of those, some of those things are there. Like as a kid, I certainly did not get the badges, badges line right, right from right. Uh, from Maltese Falcon. Right. So when that pops up, I knew it was something. I, I knew it was in reference to something, but it almost made me want to go find what's that in reference to, and watch that movie so that I can experience the gag. And I, th- I think that's interesting that they they don't uh, even the the mashed potatoes from yeah it uh, means Coast something it so means something. There's a lot of little gags like that that you're right don't pay off because those movies 
have kind of fallen by the wayside in terms of public attention. That's right. But I think that almost kind of makes it more fun to go yes. back and get the gag later yeah. on. Yeah, very much so. Uh, another observation, if I may, that there was, uh, in, with today's audience and what's been going on with our, with our uh, sensitivity level that has increased, there were some racist moments. Racist is unfair, but there was poking fun at certain ethnic groups with the wheel of fish right. with our Asian host. And also the, um, what was it called? The something with, with kingdom, uh, with the, um, oh, the Hispanic. The Mexican guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who the, was, anim the Animal Kingdom. Yeah, an Animal Rose, Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. Yeah, and it was quite... Look, and I remember, I don't know if you... There was a commercial on TV with the Frito Bandino, and it was yanked off the air for being racist because you had the stereotypical uh, Hispanic, you know, with the Frito Bandino and the droopy mustache and everything else. So they go, I liked seeing this. That's my point. That's my point. I like this stuff. And um, question again. Would this movie get made today with today's political climate? It would not be this movie. I think things would change. It would be diluted. It would be watered down. Yeah. I agree. You know, I, I, think, I, I think that culturally we're just going to have to swing the pendulum back a little bit. It's just gone a little too far to the point where you can't. Uh, I've shared this theory with producer Joey. She does not like it, but she's never been able to disprove it. Hear me out. Yeah. And I might have even said this on this podcast, but it's been a while. I think all humor, no matter what kind of humor you're coming up with, any sort of joke or anything, is always making fun of someone. Someone is always or something. Someone or something. Someone. Now, it may not be a, a real person. It might be a fictitious person. So if it's a pun, for example, uh, if you say, like, what time do you go to the dentist? Tooth hurdy. Then what you're making fun of is the person who would get confused about those words. And you're kind of saying, you're, you're laughing like, oh, what kind of silly person would get those two terms confused? Yes, but ignorant people say that you're making fun of the Asian community by saying that, right? 2.30. That it's making fun of how they speak? I wouldn't say it's an Asian joke. I would say it's an ignorant joke. Like you're Yes, a ignorant audience would have that conclusion. Well, well that's not what I mean. Th okay. What I, I mean is I that we're saying. making fun of a, a non-existent but dumb person. Okay. And That's I think in this, humor. Yeah. I think so. And I think we've become so sensitive to culturally, we've just become so sensitive to making fun of anybody that we can't handle that. And I think comedy as a result has really taken a severe blow. You can't say a lot of things anymore um, for comedy's sake without risk of running aground and, and really pissing people off. Said it before. I'll say it again. That blazing saddles will not get made today. No, the, the I don't think it, it would. It couldn't. Although, I mean, I, I, think, I think it might in the sense that, you know, we watched um, Sorry to Bother You a while back, and there's a whole sequence in the middle of that where he screams the word nigger over and over and over at the audience, and it's a bunch of white people who scream it back. So, I don't know, maybe it could. I'd, it, it'd be tough because you got to have a, a black person in exactly. on the gag, right? You can't, you can't have a, a bunch of white people standing this around. This is Mel Brooks, so I don't think it could get made today. <laughs> what, what, what? Well, what? I'm just wondering, because if it wasn't Bootsy Collins directing that, would they have let that gag go through? Hmm. Hmm. You know, and then we watched Blindsiding, and they had a whole conversation about yep. that, same, that same topic. So do we... Could Blazing Saddles get made? Man, it'd be tough. It certainly would come under a lot more uh, scrutiny, I think. Right, right. 
Anyway, I like the host of the Wheel of Fish instead of Wheel of Fortune. It was a funny gag, and, and the others too. And I certainly, well, it was, I don't think it was offensive. I don't think it should be offensive to anyone. And it made me realize the direction we're going in, and we should be going back the other way where we can laugh at things. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Good. Other comments about the film? I like what this else? movie. You really? This is your birthday movie. Yeah, man. This is your birthday movie. It's yeah. one of these films that, uh, you know, I saw when I was a kid, and as I got older, and I would rewatch it, and like I said, I would learn the language of film. There's new appreciations, new things like Gandhi 2, which, uh, you know, when I saw that when I was a kid, I didn't really get. But then as I'm older, I, I started to understand more about Gandhi and realize just how ridiculous it is. My favorite gag, the one that... that I remember watching in the theater when I was a kid and still kills me is it's the Conan the librarian and the kid comes back returning the books he suffers sorry these are a little overdue and he splits them in half splits them right in the middle you see so funny I know yeah yeah and there's some really great little gags that are, are placed throughout Absolutely. And the bulk of the movie does hold up. It does hold up. And it, uh, some movies become dated as the years go by. And this moments were certainly dated. Um, but this film was supposed whole, to be a huge, huge blockbuster for, um, uh, for United Artists. Uh, United Artists at the time, they were really struggling. And they tested this film and it tested really, really well. But it happened to come out at the same year. Uh, people that know UHF probably know the story. But if you're not as familiar with the film, you may not know this. It came out the same year as Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman. came out the same year as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. 1989 was a huge year box office-wise, and this movie just kind of got forgotten. Uh, and as a result, United Artists went under. Uh, I think they got bought up by MGM, and that was kind of the end of United Artists. They, they put all their money into this film, hoping that it would help keep them afloat, and it did not. Hmm. So it's interesting that it's kind of had, had this this chance, I guess, uh, to, to really make a, a big impact. And, and it wasn't until home video and right. VHS that the movie kind of had this resurgence. I think initially everybody thought it was just a flop, but uh, it, it's been, after so many years of watching it on, on VHS and, and disc, that it's become a, a cult classic. I was reading an article, too, that the movie took its time with post in post-production. And after... The principal photography was done. They went back and did the ending, the Rambo sequence. Mm-hmm. That was done later. That right. was done quite a bit later. That's a funny bit to add at the end. Yeah, the and film. they went to Nebraska. Is that where it was? Somewhere. I can't remember. Toledo? Oh, something like that. And they went somewhere to uh, to film it. And they took over, like a, I think, a shopping mall or something. And it was they, they had a, a bunch of... Um, they, they just went to a small little town to, to film the whole thing. And it's got this cute quaintness to it that it doesn't feel like a los angeles film right. i like that about right. it right it, was it feels weird spun. it feels like a small town in middle america it, it and i you can kind of sense that with a lot of the architecture and a lot of the uh the the few shots that they have that are exteriors you can kind of see oh this is a small little town right i like that i Me like too. that feel had quite a cast also besides weird al that we had fran fran drescher was in it victoria jackson mike obviously michael richards and uh, anthony geary was in it and um kevin mccarthy yeah kevin i mean it's funny kevin i was thinking about his career he never really he was never really a big leading man kind of actor was he but we associated with invasion of the body snatchers right the first one the good one yes the good one and you know, running in the freeway at night with uh, the kind of pot 
I think he is fantastic in this He's movie. great in this film. He's such a great, awful villain. It, it was over the top. Yes. A little bit cartoonish. Oh, obviously. But that's what we expected. That's what we wanted. Right. He, he was great in this movie. So, uh, Dr. Demento, are you familiar with Dr. Demento? Of course. He was yeah. there uh, this week. Um, uh, Weird Al Yankovic got a Hollywood... He was there. He got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and Dr. Demento gave a, a speech. That's presenting. great. He had a small part in this film, mm-hmm. and uh, Dr. Demento had a radio show mm-hmm. a few decades ago playing obscure, quirky, um, comedic music well dr demento was the one that gave weird al his that's right so it it only stands to reason yeah and even the director of this film had a small part as gandhi yeah yeah and the director was jay levy who's also the uh the manager for weird al yankovic so they that's right they're all very loyal i think a lot of these was he there when weird al got a star of course he was was there there. Yeah. yeah yeah i like this film a lot but again i was curious about you put it down as your birthday movie yeah and um you you really love it huh yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about money shots. Do you have any money shots? For I the do. Film? All right. It's what do you a think? silly moment, and I laughed out loud. Where our our our, our Mexican guy was throwing the dogs out the window. <laughs> I love that. Do you love? <laughs> and I was watching it by myself last night. I just started cracking up. I don't know why. Just it was just so. Yeah. Choking the dogs out. Yeah. 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 I don't know why, but it's a it's a scene that I'll remember. Uh, was it the greatest scene in the movie? No, but I, I had a strong reaction to it, and I loved it. I think uh, I, I was having this conversation with you earlier about, is there a film that you could recite word for word the whole way through? And I could do UHF. I mean, I could do The Road Warrior too, but that's unfair because there's only there's like dying. seven lines in the whole movie. But I could do all of UHF. You can? I, I could get really close. Really? Yeah. Opening scene is? When he's Indiana Jones yeah. and uh, and... It's the, the Paramount logo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And by the way, that was very funny with the um, using an Oscar statue yeah. to stop the, the wall from Yeah, the first down. line is George, and it's when he comes out of that little fantasy, and the guy, is, his friend Bob, is yelling at him. Wow. Yeah. You do know this movie. Oh, I know. I know it very well. Yeah. So I, I, whenever, you, whenever we talk about money shots, it's hard for me because literally every single shot in the, the movie, I, I, I know it. I've, I've analyzed it. I've seen this movie dozens and dozens of times the, i'm gonna say one more thing Go ahead. this was on the screen for an eighth of a second it was the kitty show and there was the <laughs> well the whole kitty show sequence but it was michael richards he he was an important he's a very significant reason why yeah. this movie was so so fucking funny what was it like a fire hose that shot out water on yeah, that kid? joel miller he gets to drink from the fire hose. i laughed out loud again i just <laughs> it just it just fires him off the whole, yeah, yeah, whole yeah, yeah. yeah i loved it what about you? Uh, it, it's so hard to pick because there's so much. I always think about when Victoria Jackson comes home and she sees all of those balloons and the the I, sign I and like that. it's he's just gone insane on her apartment to try to apologize for being late. I love that moment. I love it's, it's just, kind of weird, but there's this uh, there's a quick little gag, and I'd seen the movie so many times before I even realized what it was. But there's a a shot early on when he's coming home after getting fired at the very beginning of the movie he comes home with bob and he makes like the twinkie wiener sandwich and stuff when they pull up to the to the apartment it focuses on a car and we think that's his car and then that car drives off and then his car pulls up and it's this i've looked it up it's like a 1950s nash rambler it's such a weird strange looking car and he hops out of that and i thought I always think about that, just that 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 car and that little gag where we think it's 
this other car is his and it turns out to be this That's weird funny. crazy That's car it's yeah. like this little reveal yeah yeah and uh and i don't know why but that always kind of stays with me i always think about his car in that movie and the movie had a very sweet ending. Yeah. It did have a very... We, we knew it had to, and how could it not? Right. But it all, all came together, including all the tiny... I like how the mop... The, Michael Richards plays the part of the janitor at the beginning of the film, and the mop is really important to him, and that serves a purpose And they take it away from end. him. Right, and they take it away from him. And then when he sees the mop where the bad guys are torturing him, all of a sudden he becomes real aggressive and beats the crap out of them. And the statue they give him at the very end, of course, is, what is it, with a mop in one hand and the microphone in the, in the other, other yeah. that he's got both worlds going for himself. World's greatest janitor and yeah. TV star. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it all tied in really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the scientist uh, getting to go back to his home that planet. That was weird. No, wait, 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 wait. Okay. We're gonna, did you think that was necessary? No, it wasn't. No, no of course it, it wasn't. That's the movie was point. not necessary. But it turned out that he really was from another planet. Yeah. And what is it? His face got real weird and contorted. And then he <laughs> and just zipped off and he yeah. disappeared. Yeah. Goes home. Yeah. Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, there, for me, there aren't very many false notes in the movie, but obviously I'm a big fan and... I mean, truth be told, I saw the movie when I was a kid, and I've always liked it ever since. And I think, uh, I think it's one of those movies that you know, we do that a lot. We see movies when we're kids, and we idolize them. And, and when sometimes when you go back and you rewatch them as an adult, you start to realize, oh no, this is not nearly as good as I remember it being. Uh, but for me, this movie still holds up really well. Uh, you were talking about everything kind of coming together at the end. And that does kind of hurt the anti-scale. So let's move into Good that. Good segue. Great. That was really smooth. How yes. anti is this movie? Yes. And I wrestled with this. And again, like we said, the fact that it is irreverent mm -hmm. and pokes fun at different genres of, of movies and other TV shows, that in itself is anti-wave. However, it's a sweet film. Yeah. It's formulaic. Yep. And it has a happy ending. Right. That's not anti-wave. That's not anti. So I'm in conflict here. Guy gets and the girl. Yeah, he gets the girl at the end, and every, all, they all live happily ever after. It's a, it, it, and again, that's one of the qualities I really liked about this film, instead of just a string of shtick, that it really had a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. On the anti-wave scale, I'm going to have to... And this isn't how I felt about the movie as a whole, but on the anti-wave scale, I, it's probably going to have to be something like 2.3. I was going to say like a 2 or 3. Yeah, it there is. It, this is not a big anti-film. No. I mean, if if we're thinking of uh, of movies that that go against the Hollywood grain, uh, he's really he's doing some unique things there with you know Emo Phillips getting his thumb chopped off. But those are just kind of brief moments, and I I, I think that's the kind of stuff that does give us like a, a two. Yeah, otherwise it wouldn't have gotten right. even a two. But it's right. still, I think, a, a great film. I love this film. It's definitely one of my favorites. It's in my top five. It just is always it really? Makes, yeah, it Your really top is. five favorite films of all time? Yeah. Wow. I love watching this movie. Wow. <laughs> Apparently it's, wow. you don't feel quite the same. I liked same. it. No, no. I, I liked it, but I would, it's not my top 25. It's not my top 25. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only seen 24 films. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so there you go. Okay, good. Yeah. Hey, who died this week? Gotta tell you, unfortunately, must the following people, they've turned to dust. Oh. A few people we want to acknowledge who passed away, those in the industry in the last week. I want to mention Andre uh, Blay, 81-year-old American film producer. He produced films including Prince of Darkness, uh, They Live, uh, The Village, and obviously he had an association with John Wait, Carpenter. Wait, The Village or Village of the Dam? Oh, thank you, Village of the Dam. Good correction. That's John Oh, The Carpenter. Village, of yeah. course, was, was what's his name? M. Night. M. Night Shalom. Shalom. Yeah, yeah. 
happened to him anyway. Anyway, he obviously uh, has. He just released a film called Split last year. Yeah. He's getting ready to release. Uh, speaking of Dead Corner, yeah. he's getting ready to release the Glass sequel. Yeah, that's Remember? right. I saw the previews for that. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the previews of that. Anyway, obviously, our this producer had a so close association with John Carpenter. We lost an 85 year old um, American actress, uh, Barbara Russell, who was in Day of the Dead. She did quite a bit of TV and she had a part in Day of the Dead also. A 49 year old, you might remember this, Robert. It was in the news a couple days ago. Vanessa Marquez, 49 year old oh, American yeah. actress. Now, she was in ER, and that's how most people know her, but she was also in the film Stand and Deliver. I so love I that can, movie. Yes, I did too. So I figured, good, I can put her in the dead corner because she was in that film Stand and Deliver. And she got murdered, and right? And the police came and it turned out that she was brandishing a gun. It was a BB gun. It was a BB gun. The police saw it as a gun and they shot her and killed her. That's wow. how it went down. Yeah, that was just a few days ago in, in Pasadena. And finally, I want to acknowledge one. This is my dead corner spotlight, you guys. This is an Italian film poster designer. I want First, I should say his name before I rattle off all the films he's responsible for. The posters, Silvano Campagini, 95-year-olds. Get this. <laughs> I'm sorry, how was that? No, I really want to. I want to get that Italian thing going, you yeah, know? Man. Yes, Mr. Campagini. He designed the posters for Casablanca, Singing in the Rain, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Wow. He's regarded as the most important graphic artist, poster designer in the history of American cinema. 64. More than Saul Bass? Saul Bass did a lot, but not this many. Saul Bass was known for unique opening credits as well as posters. But listen to this. He got 64 of the films he illustrated won Oscars. Wow. 60, I'm going to say that again. 64 of the films he illustrated won Oscars, including, like I said, Casablanca, uh, Ben-Hur, and American in Paris, West Side Story, Exodus, Gigi. How about that? I wonder who has worked on more Oscar-winning films than anybody else. That's a great question. And it's possible it's uh, Silvano Campagini. Well, I don't think there's an in in there. I think you're mispronouncing what? it. What? Compagetti. <laughs> anyway, he's dead. <laughs> That's a great trivia question. Who was involved in more Oscar, involved in any capacity? Like some sort of best boy grip or something like that. That's, that's an interesting question. Oh, and also uh, Kirk Douglas. He died too. He's dead. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. He's, he's gone. Okay. Hey, man, you want to play a game? It's game time. Yeah, man. All right. Producer Joey? Yeah, she's, she's giving me a game. Oh, okay. I've got it right here. Good. Okay. Thanks, Producer Joey. Thanks, Producer so, Joe. Producer Joey, this week, we're going to play Anti Up. Do you remember Anti Up? I like this one. All right. Anti Up. This game is all about making a Hollywood film an anti-wave film. Mm-hmm. So, Producer Joey's given us a couple of films. She's given us three of them. And we're, our job is to make these more anti-wave. Right. These are Hollywood, somewhat vanilla-like storylines. All right. So okay. here we go. The first one is called Morning Glory. Newly hired as a producer on a national morning news program. These are TV-related, I think. Called Daybreak. Becky Fuller, played by Rachel Adams, decides to revitalize the low-rated show by bringing in legendary anchorman Mike Pomroy, Harrison Ford. Pomroy, however, refuses to do puff pieces like celebrity gossip and fashion and clashes with his co-host, played by Dan Keaton. This okay. is real, this is, these are yeah, it's a real film. Yeah. yeah. So, did, you, did you see it? I did not. I didn't, I didn't see, see this movie. Either. All right. Bruce and George, did you see it? None of us no, saw it. None of us saw it. <laughs> All right. But so, we can still make an anti-wave. Hmm. Well, Robert, why don't you... First go, thing I what, would say what? is that uh, instead of him being a co-host refusing to do puff pieces, it would be like him uh, coming in 
doing an all poetry hour. You know, like he insists on doing his bad poetry or something like that. And then make the audience suffer through a lot of bad poetry. That'd be pretty anti-wave. But I'm really leaning more towards the network end of things. I was going to say that. Right, where he's going, uh, he's about to commit suicide on air. He just took it away from me. Yeah, yep. and, uh, and even just network in general, that whole movie, that movie is very anti-wave when yeah, you stop it to is. think about it. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was going to say the same thing. Is it Harrison Ford? Is that the character? Yeah. And I was going to say that they're suffering from low ratings and so he threatens to put a gun in his mouth and commit suicide. And the ratings go up and up. He doesn't do it. Next week, he still doesn't do it. The ratings are going up and up. Next week, he doesn't do it. And finally, boom, he does it. End of film. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Christine... What's her name? Uh, was it Christine Lubick? There was a, a woman in the 70s who did that. She did shoot herself on air. For ratings? It wasn't necessarily for ratings. She was a news host. And that's what I would love to see, Rachel McAdams. If they, if they had Rachel McAdams basically do a biopic of this woman. <clears throat> but she, she was on air. And she had written this story. And it was all about violence in America. And she'd had some depression. And she pulled out a gun and blew herself away while giving the news. And at first people thought it was a, like some sort of sick joke. And they were like, what the fuck? And they ran over and you know, they cut obviously and uh, it did go out it did get sent out to people and they rushed her to the hospital and then once they rushed her to the hospital they looked at the papers that she was reading from and it actually said what hospital they were going to take her to and they, she had written out the script for after she had shot herself and what everyone was going to do and how they would pronounce her dead it was really trippy wow yeah wow but do you remember in the 80s bud dwyer do you remember Bud Dwyer was, he shot himself on air as well, but he was a politician who'd been accused of, uh, of doing, of like, uh, of embezzlement or something was like he, that. Was he on like a talk show? or it wasn't, show He or called a press, was conference. a press conference. And he was a politician and he had been, um, he'd been accused of, of embezzlement and the next day he was going to be sentenced and he was still technically comptroller or whatever it was, whatever his elected position was, he was still officially that position. And if he died while still an elected official, then his family got all of this insurance. But if he was convicted, then he would, uh, he would lose all of that and his family would be financially ruined. So he needed to die before the day was up. And he called this press conference. He gave out all these envelopes to people and then pulled out a gun and everyone tried to stop him. They started rushing him. Pulled, put the gun in his mouth and shot himself. Let's do a biopic. It's crazy. Let's write a biopic. And you can, what's, I mean, if, for those that are, are brave enough, you can find that footage it's on, online it's on, fairly wow. easily. It's not hard to find. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's very graphic. I, the neurons in my brains have been so worn down that I guess it takes someone committing suicide to really get a, a rise out of me. The horror movies don't do it for me anymore. You know, like it's yeah. that kind of fear or that, that, those images so that kind of stuff is is traumatic like bud dwyer killing himself on television how many times have you watched it uh just when i masturbate <laughs> usually you know i set you up to say that of course okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> producer joey where are you going uh, where are you going what's that the door just slammed <laughs> shut yeah that's the car engine she's gone <laughs> yeah but the baby <laughs> all right let's talk about let's ante this movie up up close and personal warren justice oh. played by robert redford a producer for a Miami news program watches an audition tape from a young Nevada woman named Sally Atwater, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, and decides to hire her. 
Under Warren's mentorship, Sally rises from gopher to on-air personality and eventually gets a job in Philadelphia, a more prestigious market. There, she tussles with veteran anchor person Marcia, Marcia McGrath, played by Stockard Channing, and lands a story that catapults her to national prominence. Did you see Up Close and Personal? I did. I saw it in the theater when it came out. Mm-hmm. How would you ante that movie, Ira? Okay, you ready? Yeah. Uh, well, Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer, they had they were involved. They were a couple. Is that correct? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I don't recall. Well, they are now. In my uh, version, they are. Uh-oh. And Robert Redford um, made a sex video huh. of her. And because of her stardom, that she was catapulted to greatness, he was really jealous. And he decided to show that on the air. That's nice. That's you don't like one. that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I think we got a that's, new that's pretty movie. good. What does she do? She commits suicide. On, on air. The air. There we go. <laughs> Tie in. It always ends with suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, no, I, I like your You like I that. Like your angle. Yeah, yeah, made a sex tape. Sex tape angle. Yeah. Now, does he release it on air? Does he release it through, like, online and ruin her career? Well... The movie was made, what, in like the 80s mm-hmm. before the internet was a thing. So I think that if we want to be faithful, it would have to be on air while they're broadcasting. Today, if we want to do a more current version. No, I want to keep it, I want to keep it pure. I think it... On you, air? You're going the other way, aren't you? No, I, I, yeah. I, I'm saying if we did a modern uptake. Well, be... yeah. A retelling of the story? I don't know. Maybe, you know, what I think I would do is I would say he would hire someone to break in to the program, like in the middle of the show and air it. Oh, I know, I know. It's in the middle of a kiddie show. It's in the middle of a kiddie show where they show cartoons and, and sh- right in the middle. I want to go really inappropriate in juxtaposition, play the opposite here. So it's in the middle of the kiddie show that we show the sex tape. Nice. You do like that. Do you remember, there was a guy out of Chicago who broke into a bunch of different programs as Max Hedrum. Do you remember hearing about this? And they never, they never caught the guy. Uh, but he broke into a bunch of uh, programs, and he was like a, some sort of radio uh, technician, like ham radio artist or something. But they think, they think that's who it was. But he um, hacked their signal, basically. And it was him in a head, Max Hedrum mask and making these weird sounds. And so he did that from his own gestures. home? We, or we don't did he know physically it, go into the studio? We don't know. Yeah. Some I mean, people think that you had to be in the studio. You to have can't done really it. do that from your own home, can you? Some people think you can. I mean, can you? I, I guess, but it, Look, it's never even, been solved. We still don't know who he is. Even Live Free and Die Hard, the Bruce Phillips, you know that. Oh yeah, and with that's that. very factual. I mean, is you it? have to go, but no, I'm no, it's not. No, and I wondered, can this really be? You know, taking over all media, all stations, and showing no, a no. clip of different presidents. Saying the end is, you know, they edit yeah. together all the different presidents talking. Can do we don't have the know-how to come close to doing something like that, or do we? I don't have the know-how. Right, but I does a mad scientist I, no. living in a basement of his mother's? Think about okay, what you would be doing is you would be hacking so many different things at the same time. Uh, you know, you've heard of Bitcoin, for example. Right, right. Bitcoin works on a blockchain, which is basically allowing every computer to access where like the exchange of bitcoins as they are now. So you could say I have 100 bitcoin, but unless everybody else's computer agrees with you, then your claim of having 100 bitcoins is is negated, right? So you have to get all of these other computers to agree, right. yes, you indeed have 100 bitcoin. Then you would have 100 bitcoin. So you would 
need to hack everybody else's computer. And that's near impossible. But I'm, you don't have to hack into this. Don't, it's all the, the images that are be by satellite. If you just hack into the satellite. But you're saying it's like one satellite and there's hundreds of satellites. Are there really? Well, yeah, no, because there are hundreds. Yeah. Well, think about it. If the satellite orbits around Earth. Oh, yeah. What's on the, what's over on the China, other side of the Earth? And I can't watch my porn. Right. So it's, it's a relay. And you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of satellites. It is that many, huh? And, yeah. I mean, you, how do you hack a satellite? Yeah. I mean, think of it like a mirror. That's basically what you're saying. It's like, oh, we'll just hack the mirror. And I get that you could try to jam the signal or, or put a, a different signal in there, but that would be really hard to do as these things are, are moving around Earth. They're programmed to move around Earth at a, at a regular pace. So, no, I don't think that's a possibility. I think that's outside the scope of what is hackable. Hmm. I suppose it's possible. Anything I mean, theoretically possible, but... It, it's. I think that's writers who don't understand how that stuff works. We've seen it's that technophobia. Like, yeah. Well, in what V for Vendetta, we saw that right, right taking over all the TV sets and stuff like that. It's been done a lot, but. Well, we now our society is so splintered into so many different different factions that I don't think you could get everybody to watch. You're right. One, you know, the television. It's like some people watch television, but a lot of people don't have televisions anymore because they just watch their content. Right on their computers so that or their phones. So that cliche scene in a bar yeah. where everyone's gathered around that TV, you know, that shot. We've seen that done so many times. Well, in UHF, take, we saw that shot, you're right? right. You're right. So, yeah, because it's so specialized right now with different media, it wouldn't have the same impact. Yeah, I don't right. think so. Right, right. The closest I think you could get is the Amber Alerts where everybody in a certain region gets an oh, alert yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And supposedly there's a lot of uh, nuclear disaster alerts that will go out uh, you know, we, we heard about that a few weeks ago, how Hawaii got right. one of those accidentally, right? right? Yep. Uh, but I think there's some of those that are, are sent out across the nation. If there is a nuclear weapon that's detected ha- having been sent towards the United States, and you, I think it's like you have 15 minutes, basically. That's about how long that you, from the detection to the sending out of that signal, so... And, Where does that come from, the amber? Where's the source? Is it in a building? Yeah, it's in a building. Oh, it's got it. No, it's, it's outside in a field. No, no. It's just a guy. It's in the cloud. Well, well, it's, it's all in a building. I mean, even the cloud, the cloud is in a building. Yeah, it's I just asked a series those. of buildings. I was at the Apple store last week. Yeah, we were talking about that. Actually, it's multiple buildings. As right. you know, it's not all yeah. one. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying about a blockchain is it's, it's not just one computer anymore. It's right. hundreds of computers. It's thousands right. of computers or even millions of computers. It just depends on what you're talking about. Right, right. So is it possible? I suppose, but hmm. no one's going to do it. Hey, man, let's, anyway. do, uh, let's do some top five. You want to ah, do that? Top five and hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. All right, our top five this week is top five cult movies. Favorite cult films. All right. This is going to be interesting. Robert, do you want to go first on this one? Sure, I'll go okay. first. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a heads up. A lot of my movies have been mentioned on this podcast before. I've got one that's never been mentioned. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I have put some of mine on top fives before. Uh, and I think, man, this was hard for me because there's a bunch of cult films that aren't, aren't on this list. This is a tough one. I got, I got a few extras. All right. So my number five is from 1982, starring a young Mark Singer who has a very weird connection to animals in The Beastmaster. 
Did you ever see the Beastmaster, Ira? No. There's a lot of homoeroticism in that. Really? Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. It's about a guy whose village gets killed off by this, uh, this evil um, kind of tribe, and he's trying to avenge the death of all of his village family and everything. And along the way, he finds out that he's... Uh, he's special. He's the chosen one, and he has this ability to talk to animals and see through their eyes and communicate with them. So he's got to take down the, the big bad guys. There's a good fight sequences in there. All right, there you go. 1982, Beastmaster. Beastmaster, that's your number five. Yeah. My number five is a film. We spoke about it before. You weren't in love with it the way... I think you enjoyed it, but you thought the accolade... Maybe it wasn't worthy of all the accolades it was getting. David Fincher movie? Come on. You know which one fight I'm Club? Yeah. 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 Fight Club is a definitely a cult film, 1999. And you know what? You described my opinion about that perfectly. Did I? It's a good movie. It's a good movie, but it was not worthy of all the accolades yeah, it was getting. It's, people went a little fanboy over it. I thought it was, in, I thought it was insane. Mm. I thought it was a great film. Yeah, with Ed Norton and uh, Brad Pitt and so on, and never made a, a, a soap salesman look so interesting. Uh, that's but, very true. <laughs> that's very true. And obviously, it wasn't about selling. It was about commercialism, and the movie, I thought, said a lot, and I thought it was a, a brilliant film with a journey into madness and so on but that would definitely be a cult film and that's my number five i would agree all right my number four is a film that i think is one of the best written movies with so many quotable lines 1985 clue yeah i love clue yeah it's a good one yeah you've seen clue haven't you i i know oh wow and that's the one that had different endings in different theaters yeah yeah you might be going home with clue tonight i have a lot to do tonight yeah yeah What's your number four? Number four. I'm going to give you a big hint. My number four film is Under Two Minutes. Under Two Minutes. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Let me Come think. Come on, this. Robert. What we spoke about it months ago. It's Under Two Minutes. Robert. All right. Here's give big a, clue number two. It's an animation. Well, I kind of figured it was an animation. What yeah. film is an animated film under two minutes? Clue number three, 1969. Robert. It's Under Two Minutes. It's an animation. It's 1969. All right. Here's clue number four. It was written and produced by Marv Newberg. Newman Newberg. Come on. What is it? Robert Bambi meets Godzilla. Oh, Bambi meets Godzilla. Yes. (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't get that. I I forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I did see that in a theater. And uh, I was just startled by it. My mouth went, oh, my God. And it's, it's under two minutes. Remember, written by Marv, directed by Newman. We think Marv Newman's parents yeah. and all that stuff. The credits were very funny. And uh, Bambi meets Godzilla. That's Definitely a is one. a cult film. Absolutely. Okay. All right. My number three is a documentary that we have not talked about on this show before. Man, I love this movie. From 1993, uh, it's a documentary called... Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. Ira, do you, have you ever heard of Gigi no, Allen? No, no. So Gigi Allen is this, oh man, he's such a, an interesting character. All right, so he, he's uh, a punk rock singer, but he had this whole, he got arrested and he wrote this manifesto while he was in prison. And he basically talks about how when Elvis first came around, that parents were very off put by Elvis because of you know the dancing and the style and he was like it was dangerous rock and roll was dangerous and then it's people start to become complacent with it it's like okay well that's just kind of expected and that's what everyone does and then in the 1960s you have this like Beatles counterculture 
hippie kind of feel and it becomes very dangerous and parents are very like oh 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 and they get very uh you know taken aback but then of course that becomes commonplace and everyone starts to accept it and then in the early 70s you start to have the emergence of heavy metal you have uh black sabbath and all these bands that are, are again very dangerous and parents are very upset and it keeps like pushing this boundaries and then in the 19 late 70s and early 80s you have punk and punk starts to become a lot more aggressive and, and dangerous. And then, of course, parents start to kind of uh, become okay with it. And that's right around when he starts to emerge in the, like the mid to late 80s. And he says, we need to make punk. We need to make rock and roll. We need to make music more edgy and scary. So what he does is when he goes to his shows, when he performs, he will rape audience members. He will take laxatives before the show and shit all over the floor and throw it at audience members. He will uh, bash the microphone into his head and, um, and he starts to bleed profusely during his shows. Um, he'll jump on broken glass. There's all sorts of... I mean, he basically just doesn't give a fuck about his body at all. And the documentary is about him. And it's actually directed by Todd Phillips, the guy who directed uh, The Hangover. It was one of his earlier films. It's great documentary it's a great portrayal of a guy that you would never want to hang out with but you would definitely want to know more about his life uh, producer joey this is your baby's father yeah what you think about that <laughs> wow he's an interesting character yeah yeah and what's the name of it again hated hate yeah gg oh. allen and the murder junkies he was obviously very fucked up obviously and you like the documentary. You're of putting course. your top five. Yeah. That's he, my boy. He had said that for many years he was going to commit suicide at one of his shows uh, on Halloween. But every Halloween after that, he had been either arrested or something like that. And then eventually he died from an overdose in the early 90s. So he's not, he's not with us anymore. Mm. But he definitely uh, he, he scared a few people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you my, got? What's your number three? My number three is a film I spoke about a lot. 1971. Here's your big clue. Hal Ashby. Oh, wait. Um, I know uh, the, uh, the, the young guy. And the yeah, old yeah, woman, young guy, uh, the old lady. Yeah, what's her, what's yeah. it called? Harold Maude. Harold Maude. There you go. Um, with Bud Court. And Ruth Gordon is the, quote, old lady. And great music by Cat Stevens. And again, saw that in the theater when it came I out. I need to I see that movie that again. Do you it, own it? I have. I'll bring it over next time. Let me borrow I've it. I've got the DVD. Does it hold up? Sort of. It still has the same message. That's solid. But it does at the same time seem somewhat dated. Hmm. It's both. It's both. But um, Ruth Gordon at her best. And it's, um, it's quite a film. That's I haven't seen it three. in years and years Well, and years. it's time and I'll have it with me next week. Great, man. Good. Good call. My number two is one of my favorite films of all time. It's a film, man, you got to dig deep if, if, if you're a Soderbergh fan, but 1996's Schizopolis. And it is, it's just, it's insanity on celluloid. That's the best way to describe it. And it's, it's got so many great little gags, but it's, it's very surreal. It's um, got me through some hard times, man. It's a wow. good movie. It got you through hard times. Yeah. That's quite a statement, Robert. It is, yeah. I was in Chicago the first time I saw it, and I had just had all my film equipment ripped off. Someone broke into my buddy's car and stole all of, just thousands and thousands of, of really? dollars of, of I don't film know equipment. This. Yeah. And I was, I was making a film at the time, and the only thing that I didn't have in the car was the film I'd already shot. And so I had to make do with the film that I already had, and I was so depressed and my room, my my buddy's roommate had that film. I was like, "Oh, here, watch this." And I was like, "Yeah, I haven't seen this." I put it on, and was, it just blew me away. Made me a Soderbergh fan for life. I was like, "I I need this film right now." Wow, 
So, yeah, there you go. Wow. I didn't know that had happened to you. Yeah. Okay, my, my number two. This is the one I was questioning, is it a cult film? I actually even Googled, I came up with this on my own, and then I Googled the question, is blank Oh, you didn't, a cult you didn't film? Google cult films and Bambi meets versus <laughs> no, Godzilla that came up? up? That would not come <laughs> up, right. Uh, but it, there was an article about why it is considered a cult film, and it's not. Rocky 19- Horror Picture Show. No, are you kidding? Maybe that's my number one. <laughs> 1982, Martin Scorsese. We spoke about this film. King of Robert. Comedy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. Is that are you yeah, cool with that? I would are say you cool that. with that? Because yeah. that was I think it is a cult film. Martin Scorsese again with uh, Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis and Sandra Sandra Bernhardt. This movie, it just when I saw it in the theater, I was like, wow, what a fucking ballsy film this is. It's one of his lesser discussed films. You don't hear people talking about it very much. It doesn't pop up on television or or anything like that. Uh, but yet I think it's one of his best. I do think so too. Yeah. 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 Rupert. Pumpkin? How does poop? Pumpkin? Pumpkin? Rupert? Rupert Pumpkin? Pump, pump, pumpkin? I can't remember. Yeah. At any rate, that's my... I love that film. I'd love to see that movie again. That's my number two All right. favorite cult film. Well, my number one is a film we have never discussed before. Wow. It's called UHF. Uh, you are putting that as your number one. I have to, man. I knew you were going to do that. I have to. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, I mean, there's... I, I almost feel like it's kind of a waste because there's other films that don't get to officially put in my top five, but... Man, I love that movie. It's so good. And so much so that we're dedicating a whole podcast to it. So, yeah, I got to put it as my number one. I was wondering if it was going to be your top five. I think I have to. Little I think I'm obligated. I think number one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's your number one? Well, my number one is a film that you Wait, meant. Are you going to take us into a time warp? You know me so well. Fine. You're I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm filled with anticipation. Surpri- what? What? What just happened? Patience. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Robert. That was very good. 1975, Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's a science fiction horror comedy. Susan, Susan, is it Sarandon or Sarandon? I don't know. Susan, Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. Sarandon is in it. And um, I've gone to the midnight showing. First of all, I love the music. I love the theme. I have the, the vinyl record. Let's do the time warp again. It's a jump to the left. Boom, boom. And a jump to the right. I think you're giving producer Joey a migraine. I know. Uh, I love the music. I love the storyline. I used to go at midnight. We'd bring the props. And for the wedding scene, we had a bag of rice. We would throw it to the screen. I think it's one of the first times there was audience involvement in a film like that. Right. They did this. This was done years before The Sound of Music and the other movies that did the same thing. But um, I love the film. I love the film. I love everything about it. And that's my number one favorite cult film, Rocky Horror. Are you so... You, what? You, how do you feel? Are you surprised to hear me say that? No, or are you, no that you makes know. sense. It does make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Are you a fan of the film? Mm-hmm. And a gym to the right. I think uh, I, I put that in the same kind of category as John Waters films, which are like, I understand it. I get why people like it. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. I mean, I, I was actually just talking about like Pink Flamingos. Have you seen Pink Flamingos? Oh, yeah. Where Divine eats oh, yeah. the dog yep. shit at yep. the end. And, yep. and it's like, I understand. And I, I get why people are drawn towards that. But it's just, I, I don't know. I, I just need more. So I need you more have trouble value. with Divine eating dog shit at the end of Pink Flamingos. Yet look at your number three for your cult movie about. But there's a reason why he's doing it. He's doing it. There's a method to that madness. He's doing it to upset people, to shock people. And he's very open about that. He's like, yeah. And he even says. When people come to his rock shows, 
if you know people are saying how can you justify raping people he's like if if you come to my show you know what you're in store for but isn't that why divine was doing it i think so and i can appreciate that right and and divine is almost a different entity in and of his or herself however you want to describe that but uh divine is different but the the films of john waters without divine i don't know that that movie would have been nearly as good it was just kind of like it, it, it was some perversion on film and and that's kind of it right i agree with you about that but you're putting rocky horror in the same category as um, pink flamingos for me yeah kind of and that's how it goes oh yeah i i would say i could handle rocky horror more than i could handle yeah. handle some yeah yeah uh, just about any John Waters film now that I think about it I also love the opening anthem of Rocky Horror where they acknowledge all these different B science fiction movies the characters the title don't worry I'm not going to sing but I, the, the opening anthem where the lips the red lips singing mm-hmm. with a black band I just love that opening theme it's become an anthem of mine hmm? I'm serious yeah we'll build a creature da 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 and Francis Fryers I just want to mention three other films that didn't get put in yeah uh, I thought you said you weren't going to sing. <laughs> I want to mention uh, I want to mention Kids in the Hall Brain Candy, which I think I've mentioned not too long ago on this podcast. Uh, I also want to mention Tremors. I love that film, and that's a great. Cult you know film. what? If I had thought of that, isn't that good? It's it's beyond good. Tremors yeah. is a great movie. You know, and the sequels were fun. The sequels. I don't know that I've seen all the sequels. Yeah. I think I might have seen the, the part two, but I don't think I've seen the others. But that that movie, it holds up really well yeah. for being just a a little fun popcorn candy film. Absolutely. It was fun with, with what's his name from Family Ties. Kevin Bacon or, oh, no, no. Uh, the, Willard. Yeah, uh, what's uh, his name? Not, um, not Willard. Fred. Oh, not Fred Willard. Now, this is going to bother me. Ward. Fred Ward. No, it's not Fred Ward. It's an actor. Wait a minute. From Family Ties. Producer, Producer Joey. Joey? Uh, male lead in Family Um. Oh, are you talking about... Yeah, I'm talking about the other character. I, I see. I see what you're talking about. Uh, uh, <laughs> hmm? No, no, no. It, he's not talking about that character. He's he's admitting Fred Ward is in the movie. Yes, but there's but he's another... He's talking about there's another character. He was in family... Who's the star of Family Ties? Yeah. Um, he's... We're going to edit not this part Finn out. Car- No, we're not going to edit anything. We'll this just leave like, it in. Is this like just... Uh, Michael Gross. That's it. Michael, yeah, Gross. Michael Gross. He was a lot of fun in that film. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He played an, an interesting... Kid. Now, wasn't he so like... So Finn the, Carter. Yeah. Wasn't he the main character later on? Yes, he took like, more of an important role in the sequels. Because they didn't get Fred Ward That's and Kevin exactly Bacon back, it. right? Yeah. That's exactly it, yeah. But what a cool, yeah, Tremors. Do you have any others on your scoop list? I did have one, but I forgot what it was. Uh, I'll try. Oh, yeah, Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of my scoops of uh, cult films include The Big Lebowski mm-hmm. and Eraserhead. I know you were yep. not a fan of that. But I, I really wanted to be, but man, I just... Yeah. I watched, I've seen it two or three times and really tried to get into it. And it's just, it feels like... Um, it, I, I always say, and this is the third time I've mentioned masturbation on this on this podcast, this episode, but it just feels like, it just feels like masturbation. It just feels like a bunch of stuff that he cobbled together it doesn't feel cohesive it doesn't feel doesn't feel skilled mm. straight story feels skilled mm. that felt like okay he knew what he was doing and he put something together well straight story was your favorite film that he directed absolutely and, and, and it was i, the I most can straight. handle blue right. velvet i can handle blue velvet as well i like that yeah but uh you know mahalan drive yeah the other interesting moments but i'm i'm watching and go what the fuck am i supposed right, to pull right, away from right this? right right uh, eraser had pink flamingos i had on my list 
and um, Eating Raul. Are you familiar with Eating Raul? Does that mean anything to you? I've heard that name, but I've I don't seen know it the in the theater. Where what they, is it? They uh, eat him. He's on the table. What? They're all hungry. These cannibals. And they eat Raul at the end of the movie. Oh, look. Maybe at you've told me about this movie. Did I tell you about that? Yeah. Are you familiar with the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai? Yes, in the, in, the, in the seventh dimension. Uh, I'm not sure the numbers. Eighth fifth, dimension? sixth, seven, or eight. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's a crazy ass film. You know, I've never seen it. You haven't? No. Yeah. I know. Sorry. I know some. I mean, I would know the Jeff images Goldblum. and yeah. Yeah. And then the costumes and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a but, crazy ass film. Yeah. That too would be considered uh, a cult. Anyway, those were some of my scoops. Nice. Good. Hey, man, we did it. We did it. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you, Robert. Hey, buddy, thanks so much for this gift. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. More. That. And we're going to watch this before you leave. Cool. Yeah, man. Okay. Let's do it. All right. We're going to cuddle. We're going to cuddle? Yeah. But what about your pregnant wife? Oh. Uh, yeah. Man. Yeah. I'll ditch her. Don't worry, Good. man. Good. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm hoping to, you know, get an abortion going. And then get an abortion. Yeah. And we can hang out with we'll me. Hang and out. We'll, yeah. Yeah. We can watch porn. Exactly. You'll have a better life. <laughs> What's what's with the head shaking, producer yeah, she's Joey? Been shake your head a lot the last know. hour and a half. All right. Well, uh, if you guys have any cult films that you want to suggest to us, if we've forgotten anything, you can send us an email. You can send us an email to Robert at antiwavepodcast.com or and slash or Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Or you can send us a message through Twitter or Instagram. The handle there is at antiwavepod. Yeah. Oh, we're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Yep. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play. Just go to our website. Or uh, if you want to buy our film, 30 Love, you can do that by purchasing the disc at 30lovefilm.com and even get 10% off by typing in Antiwave when you check out. Or you can catch it on Amazon or on iTunes and streaming right. there. Right, right, right. Hey, let's thank Producer Joey for yeah, doing a great job. Yeah, Producer Joey. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, she yeah. antied up this week. She antied up, yeah. Um, She's expecting. Yeah, she is. What to expect when She's you're expect- expecting. What's she expecting? Yeah. Um, did I forget anything, Ira? We covered it all, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Robert, happy birthday. Thanks, bud. So until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. Hey, that's not a puppy.